Welcome to the One Shot Podcast. <laughs> We're here with uh, operations officer and uh, active duty Marine, Major Tom Schumann, uh, who flew down to see us amidst the storms yesterday. So uh, we appreciate you joining us, man. How's uh, Hopefully the flight was okay getting in. Yeah, no worries. Happy to be here. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, we prepped you a little bit before we started. We want to talk a little bit about your story, like, like we always do, but I also think there's some some societal problems that we're facing that that I'd love to get your perspective on based on your story and, and the things that you've lived through. And um, I think you've got a lot of good insight uh, on, on those things and, and can provide a lot of value in that way. Uh, your life started in an interesting way with your mother. It takes back uh, before you were born with, with what happened with your mother and kind of the way that life started for you. Yeah, sure. Uh, I always like... I always like to talk about other people's stories uh, much more than my own because uh, to me, uh, I'm not the very interesting character. I've just been fortunate to be surrounded by, led by, uh, associated with uh, some giants. Uh, and, and, the, and that first kind of giant, that first hero in my story is, is definitely my mom. Um, at 19, she had a pretty courageous decision to make, I think, uh, if she was going to bring me in, bring me into the world or, or not. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. and she did, uh, despite, I think probably society and other pressures saying for her not to. And so, uh, I, I just think that that, that decision in and of itself, uh, obviously thank God, thank, uh, that, that I'm here to talk mm -hmm. about my story today. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, um, yeah, she, she had me when, when she was, she was 19, she had a, rough go uh throughout her childhood she was pretty wild um but she turned it all around mm -hmm. and uh she did what you know leaders do and that is is like when the situation arises you you have to meet it and and so uh she had been living one way uh i entered the picture and she uh got on a different path and 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 part of that was uh she's was she pretty kind of free spirited woman, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, rock and roll and kind of what, whatever. And, and, uh, but she had two kids, uh, and she was a single mom and, uh, she took the Chicago police exam mm. and, um, not because she had grown up wanting to be a police woman, not because, uh, that was the profession that was most appealing to her. Uh, it was out of duty yeah. and, it, and it was what would pay the bills and have insurance. And so uh, she began to serve and protect in her community. Uh, and she did that for over 25 years. Um, but uh, yeah, she's a, uh, everything I am today and everywhere I've gotten is, is certainly because of her. So did you have a father figure at, at any point? Was your father in your life, in and out of your life? or So my they divorced when I was three or four years old. Um, they were down in Georgia, and then my mom drove back to the Chicago. My family's all on the south side of Chicago. Mm. And uh, for a couple summers, I saw my dad. I'd, I'd go down there for the summer. And then um, I think when I was seven or eight, he went to prison uh, mm. until uh, the end of junior high till about eighth grade. So for about eight years, uh, he was in prison. And at the time, I did have father figures. Um, I had a best friend, Mike, and then I had another best friend, Mike, and, and both of their dads kind of took me under mm -hmm. their wings. Um, 
like would take me to the, the father son uh banquets or events mm -hmm. or whatever and i always I, I think i wrote about it in the book you know one of one of the, my highlights of my childhood was uh i went to this father son banquet with mr dillenbeck um and they had an auction and the big auction prize was an autographed picture of tom waddle and I got the uh and I won the uh so it was just like an awesome night to kind of feel like I had a dad and um I got the Tom Waddle signed picture uh which was a big deal to me at the time um I, I know Tom and Tom would be happy to hear someone got his picture man yeah. I'm telling yeah. you <laughs> uh, I had it in my room you know all yeah. growing up uh it's the headshot uh, uh so um so I had some I had some male figures in my life, my friends, dads, but it, it was, uh, there was a deep yearning still there for a dad. Yeah. Uh, there was a deep, uh, need, uh, for a dad. And, and there were, I mean, I remember there were times throughout my childhood where, uh, I just would plead with my mom uh, about this and, and in retrospect I can't imagine it was a, a, a very tough situation for her but at the same time I'm glad that she didn't just bring any guy right. in you yeah. know that yeah. and so she, uh it was uh a, a boy needs a father absolutely and yeah. um there I think some of the challenges in terms of my own maturation and my own growing up and my own kind of discovering who I'm supposed to be was mm -hmm. that there, there was a gap there. And, um, um, but I, I, yeah, I, I've, and then, and then some of the men that came into my life as father figures, there was like some betrayals. And so it, there was a series of kind of challenges there. And, and, and now I'm 36. And as a father, I think I am now starting to, understand what it does mean to be a man mm -hmm. and, and how to but it, it took it was delayed it was yeah. stunted yeah. And, and i think part of that was uh like my mom taught me how to throw a football you know mm -hmm. she played catch with me uh but she wasn't my dad right and mm -hmm. uh she did her best though and yeah similarly uh, going through the same situation my mother raised me and didn't have a father figure so my entire life i had always been attracted to strong men that could you know whether it be a coach or a teacher it was always kind of like, okay, I, I want that in my life. And it, it did. I think similar to you, it, you know, I didn't really become a man until later on. Even even after having kids, there were some things I didn't learn that now I was in a role of, okay, I got to figure this out yep. and, and become more of a man. And be, But I'm serious, man, because you don't have a father. And, and again, my mom did a wonderful job. She's yep. my hero, similar yep. to yours. But there are certain aspects in life that you need that father that's either going to come down on you, uh, encourage you uh, as a male figure that uh, can really help you grow as a person. Yeah. Can can you all expand on that, Tom? Start with you. Because I grew up father and mother in the house, thankfully. I was very fortunate in that. Um, your mother was an amazing woman, Darren. You said mm. the same thing and, and did so much for both of you. Can you explain from your perspective why a man is so valuable and so important for especially for a young young boy why that's so critical even if your mom is amazing and does mm. all these things for you why is a man so important for a young child i think men can teach you about accountability and 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 ownership 
and uh, don't want to go too down that uh, the Jocko rabbit hole there, but there there is something uh, that protecting providing. You know, mm-hmm. th- th- these are these are not. My mom provided and she protected me, but it is not. I think uh, as inherent or natural uh, or as the design a, I mean. or, or designed that way, mm-hmm. and 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 I think um, like there's there was a significant lack of accountability uh, when you don't have that father figure to kind of discipline and, and guide you and, and, and shape you and then and then show you like mm-hmm. you you, ha- you have to see it you have to see yeah. the example and when and when and and so like you're saying as a, as a dad I'm still I think of course every dad has to learn some things about yeah. being a dad oh, sure yeah. yeah okay so like of course there's some discovery and uh experiential learning kind of as you go through but um but without having seen that in the home i think you really do have to kind of figure out what is your role and uh but it and and i'm now kind of stepping into and embracing this idea of protector provider and uh yeah but i didn't i didn't i didn't necessarily see that yeah Yeah. Yeah, i agree like i had a a father figure in my life early on my best friend's father uh willie willie tucker uh, when I was a kid, there's like certain things a dad can teach, like the toughness part of it. And the toughness was uh, I had a problem at school. Willie told me I was at Willie's uh, Keith's house and Mr. Tucker told me, hey, I want you to walk into the key, to the class tomorrow and I want you to hit this kid right in the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Just right in the nose, hard as you can. And my mom would never have ta- told me that. Right. Mm-hmm. But Willie was <clears throat> like, hey, there was a tough side. But then he also taught me the vulnerable side, being vulnerable. And that's one of the things that I had a problem with is that as a father, there are times when you have a close-knit family, when you see vulnerability in your own father, in your own house, that applies to you later on. I didn't see a lot of that vulnerability. So when I started off with kids, I was always tough, 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 tough. And our kids need to see us. And I had to learn that in time that if they can see me that way, they can understand that you know there's going to be times where I'm going to have these days where I'm just wide open. And I'm emotional about things. And that's okay. Yeah. That is and, okay. And that's what I think. I think, it, you know, the team aspect of parenting. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I mentioned design, right? I think, um, and I'm not saying this is this is across the board, but I think inherently women um, and mothers can teach certain things that, that, that fathers can't, right? Yeah. And then yeah. fathers can teach things differently when a mother is forced to do to teach toughness to teach also to teach nurturing also to teach you know being you know in touch with like your emotional side Mm -hmm. but then also teaching it's that's that's a lot that's a lot to ask and that's why there's the team aspect it's a divide and conquer right and so and that's why you know whether it's a single mother or a single father there's just that's asking a lot on a parent to teach a young life, all of these things. When mm-hmm. you know a father, like you said, is teaching, protecting, toughness, accountability, duty, all of those things. Where a mother is, okay, nurturing, empathy. I mean, there's certain yeah. things, and I and I don't want to, I don't want to. If y'all want to send some comments about, hey, you're stereotyping mm. genders. No, I am because you know what? Like that's how God designed us to be. Like that is there. There are certain things that each sex is better at right. and that's that's how we i feel like as a society we can com- 
we can raise complete human beings. Yeah, yeah. Both men, boys and girls. So let me ask you this, in, in, in saying that, did you ever struggle with relationships when, you know, they say high school, college, whatnot, did you struggle with within relationships because you, and, and you could apply it to the fact that you didn't have a father teaching you the little things? I think there was one, uh, significant kind of trust issues I think uh you know is part of it that that I'm very very reserved um unwilling to kind of get hurt mm-hmm. uh and so uh to the point that I will limit my own experiences uh my relationships because I I'm I won't be vulnerable right and, mm-hmm. and so that's not a good way you while you get hurt less, it's not a very full way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the better way to live is to be open yeah. to those because you get to experience the full range of emotions. And so you can protect and insulate yourself from the world and from people, uh, but you're really limiting the scope of the, your experiences. Yeah. And so you, you may have uh, your lows might uh, be reduced but your highs are also reduced and you just, uh, really, I th- it's, and so that that's been, um, definitely an issue. Just, just the overall kind of trust. And then the, when you feel like you've been abandoned or like that you weren't enough for someone to love you, um, or to stick around mm-hmm. or, uh, you will seek validation right. in yeah. unhealthy ways. And, uh, and, and for, was in yeah i i sought validation through relationships through others mm-hmm. in in ways that weren't good that's for right me. Yeah. take yeah can you take us back <clears throat> to chicago growing up you said you had a sibling right yep. um brother or sister, sister. Uh, older sister. or younger younger sister younger sister okay so single single mother and in a profession that it's not nine to five right at odd hours yep um so what was that like having a younger sibling um and it's not like hey mom drops us off in the carpool line and then sure. you know picks us up right after school like what was that gap and was there was there you know just this sense of I've, we, I've got to kind of figure it out i've got to get to certain places do certain things i've got certain responsibilities i've got a younger sibling what was that dynamic for you yeah in a lot of ways it helped me learn how to lead it forced mm-hmm. me to become independent at a young age like i was seven eight years old doing my own laundry you know mm-hmm. like i knew how to get out of the bowl of cereal when <laughs> you know for breakfast yeah. and and so uh i i think in in a lot of ways um you know my leadership development started early because i was taking care of my sister and my mom wasn't around when i got home from school so got home from school was like you want an after school snack it's like right. you gotta go yeah. make yourself mm-hmm. peanut butter jelly or whatever right. you know and so like uh i i do think there was uh some some what has gone on to become like one of my philosophies is that uh, you, you got to walk point, you got to fill a sandbag. And like, so, so when, when, mm-hmm. when the sandbag needs to be filled, when something needs to be done, when, 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 when you need to walk point somewhere, you do it and you don't wait for somebody else to do it. If, if something needs to be done, like you do that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I, I do think it forced me in some ways to grow up a little bit yeah. faster, but I would, I, I became very, independent yeah. uh for sure like many right. of my you, college roommates hadn't still had to go home to do their laundry right, right. like still didn't like and i i'd been 
And creating your own schedule too. I can imagine like your mom's not there like, hey, sit down and do your math homework or mm. do this. It's like, if it's going to get done, I've got to do it. And I can't wait for someone to tell me to do it. Right. That's why I love Phil the Sand. So Southside Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Darren. Uh, yeah, I, what I, are you going with that? I know what you're, you're going to say. <laughs> so I was saying, sorry. you thought of it too. Don't you? <laughs> it, it, was was grin, it was that grin you had. It, it had to be some, there. there has to be some moments because that's a tough area. Yeah. Uh, in, in Chicago, what was that like growing up? I mean, because that is a, a you know, even today, it, it, it is known to be a really tough area. What was it like growing up there? It's, I mean, it's very blue collar, mm -hmm. uh, definitely. And, and it, I mean, it's, it's an, you go, you go to the parks, mm -hmm. right? Like you grow up in the parks, just running, uh, when you're in high school, you getting in trouble in the parks, fighting mm -hmm. in the parks. And then when, when I was a kid, it was all running there's alleys you know so mm -hmm. we, we've got and so you played basketball in the alley you got in trouble in the alley mm -hmm. so you're, you kind of hang mm -hmm. out in the alleys uh you go up to the parks um I, I i mean i absolutely loved where i i grew up as a kid it was gritty it was tough mm -hmm. uh but it was uh, it, it was well it was time well spent as a kid i think and and you know, it, it, it's a lot of where I grew up, it's a lot of cops and firemen and union workers. Mm, and mm. Uh, so probably a lot of parents who were out working and whatever. And so just a just a real kind of tough culture down there. And uh, and, and there are certainly places that you could go that you could get yourself yeah. uh, in some trouble quick. And but Chicago is, is a weird place in that um, it's extremely diverse in that like there's every race color religion mm -hmm. e ethnicity but that it's also very like neighborhood to neighborhood mm -hmm. yeah um and so it's 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 kind of weird like that like uh it's in on the south side it's like that to to an extent like this is the polish neighborhood mm -hmm. this is the italian neighborhood you know uh this is chinatown this right is, uh and then on the north side where i went to college it was like that you go down a street called devon and it was like the writing is all in Arabic. Then the writing mm. is all like Hebrew. Then the writing yeah. is, and so uh, it is, it's like a, uh, it's a melting pot, uh, but at the same time, kind of not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. yeah. You talked a, a second ago about the mentality of somebody's got to fill the sandbag and that might as well be you. And that, that actually eventually led you to decide to join the military. But before that, your mother's duty and that mentality of joining the police force and, you know, I think you mentioned in the book, she was more or less of a hippie, a free spirit. Yeah. And it wasn't like she had this dream of becoming a police officer. She did it to take care of you and your sister. So how did that impact you? And how do you see that today in society? You know, because I'm, I'm all for, you know, pursuing passion and, and what you enjoy doing. I'm all for that. But at the same time, sometimes your scenario and your circumstances dictate what you do. And you just got to go do what needs to be done. What's your perspective on on the how you balance those two mentalities? It depends on you know when when you when when you have children, your first and foremost duty is to provide for them. And so my mom set that example, uh, mm -hmm. and 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 again, that was not her passion to become a police officer. I don't know like probably working at like an animal rescue shelter probably would have been like her passion or something. Uh, I, I don't know, like saving dogs or kittens. I don't know, yeah. but uh, um, not being a Chicago cop, but 
uh, again, there, there was a, there was a, there's a duty aspect of being a cop in that, like you have a duty to the, your community, uh, to, uh, serve and protect, but then her, really her duty, the impetus of her duty was to, to provide for her children. Um, so I, I, I think you can, we can pursue our passions, uh, within the realm of our responsibilities. And, and at some, and at some point you have to balance what, what is your responsibility, uh, to others, to your country, um, versus what is, what is your responsibility to kind of yourself and pursuing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in high school, a situation emerged that I felt like, uh, I have a duty to respond to that thing. And, and that's really what set me on my path. And, and I think subconsciously my mom probably modeled that. And so I, I, I think, uh, I was, I was influenced first and foremost to serve, even though she gave me two rules. She said, uh, you can't join the service and don't get a motorcycle. And, <laughs> and I was like the good kid. Like mm -hmm. I was not rebellious in high school. I was, I always kind of listened. Uh, my I don't know. I, I, I believe you on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, like, by, he's like, by the way, I also have a motorcycle. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the military and I have had a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. So you'll see there's a couple screws right here that from, from when I rode my motorcycle and crashed it. Uh, and so like my sister was that free spirit, kind of like my mom. Mm. And then, uh, was off doing her own thing. And I was kind of pretty straight and narrow, but I joined the military and I, got two motorcycles and crashed them both. Uh, so I'm, my riding days are over, but so my mom will always say like, I'm the bigger rebel of the, of the two, even though, uh, my sister definitely, uh, is off to a different drum, uh, marches to a different drum beat. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, that, that call to service was first modeled by my mom. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, when, what I felt like was my duty when that, when that moment came, I acknowledged it, and I think I was certainly influenced. So, yeah. so you're 36. So, assuming you're like what freshman year in high school, 9/11 happened. Sophomore, yeah. Sophomore, okay. So, yeah, I guess I'm 37. I count myself 38 almost. But yeah. uh, so, was at that point right there where you're like, "This is my duty. I need to go serve the country," and you made the decision, whether then or because of that. Yeah, I, I again, I had no inclinations of service. Prior to that day, yeah. I had, I had, not, I had not grown up watching war movies. Mm. I did not grow up with the Marine poster on my wall. I did have a Thurman Thomas, unfortunately. Yeah, that's uh, sorry right. about that. Uh, he owes me two. I owe him two rings. So. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 What was your opinion of the Dallas Cowboys at this yeah. time? When you're eight years old and uh, the running back shares your first name. Like that's yeah. how you, oh, like, yeah. that, that's, yeah. like, yeah. like, that's yeah. those are the kind of connections you right. make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I, 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 I did not, I just taught at the Naval Academy for a couple of years. And so many of these midshipmen are like incredible where they're like, I was five years old. I was at the Miramar air show and I saw a jet fly and I knew I wanted to be a Marine jet pilot. Mm. <laughs> I'm like wow. at five years old, I was picking my boogers, <laughs> watching Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like, yeah, it sounds I, good. Like, how did you like, <laughs> yeah. like, a lot of these kids are like incredible. And yeah. so like, I, I was not that kid growing up. I, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I, I wasn't the military. And then, uh, yeah, at, at the conclusion of that day, it was like the age of innocence. Like yeah. you didn't know, that there were 
bad people in the world, mm, that, yeah. or at least I didn't, that wanted to yeah. do our country harm. And But I said, apparently there are. Uh, and who are the people that are keeping us safe from these guys? And who are the people that are preserving our freedoms? And so it was the first, and I didn't have a family history of military service, and I didn't know. And so it was the first time that it dawned on me, like, hey, there's, there's men and women out there holding the line somewhere. Uh, mm. And I'm living a pretty good life here. And... Um, and today demonstrated that it's not guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you do that? Why don't you help preserve that thing? Um, and, and so that, that was, yeah, by, by the end of the day, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I will do something mm. about that. And that was, that was my first step in yeah. my call to service. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So you end up becoming a really good student, uh, throughout this time, end up going to Loyola, Chicago yeah. university. And didn't quite know how you're going to pay for it. Nope. Which led you to the ROTC. Yep. Uh, tell us about that and that tra- that transition and what led you to do that. Yeah, I'm first person to go to college. My family like had no idea how college worked. Trying to figure it out on AOL dial up, you know, in my <laughs> basement. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so they, it, and. I don't, I, yeah, I applied to a couple of places, got, got a Loyola. It was nice because it was on the other side of the city, but mm-hmm. still kind of close to home. Um, and yeah, we had no money. Uh, and so then trying to figure out how I was going to pay for it, I came across, I knew I still wanted to serve, mm-hmm. came across one of their scholarship sections and said, uh, ROTC, full ride. I said, okay, that sounds like that would be good. Uh, and then <laughs> sounds cool. And then, uh, it turns out like the applications were due like six months prior to that. Like, uh, so I went, I still, you can still do ROTC for free. Uh, and so I was started to do, I knew I wanted to serve anyways. And I knew that eventually I could maybe pick up the scholarship. Um, so I went to my little orientation or boot camp week up at great lakes Naval base. Uh, I thought I was my, my grandma, always loved uh tom cruise and so we watched a few good men a bunch mm, you know yeah, and so yeah. i had gone to some of these lawyer nerd camps when i was in high school um and i thought like maybe that would be i could be tom cruise yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh be, i wanted to kind of be a lawyer and mm. i thought maybe this would be the way that i can fulfill what service and then my mom was really against me serving but then she's like okay well if this is what you're just gonna be in a courtroom maybe like <laughs> right. it's okay mm. and uh I went to this little orientation boot camp week and I just saw the Navy officers and the Navy, the seniors who were going to be commissioned into the Navy. And then I saw like the Marine officers and the gunnery sergeant and the seniors who were about to be commissioned Marines. And I said, yeah, it's what those guys have. That's what I want. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. so what was it? The discipline, the higher standards, uh, there's the challenge, Mm-hmm. uh something that you have to earn and um it was immediately apparent that the marines were different yeah and uh and, and so i come back from that i'm like hey mom i'm not gonna be a naval lawyer. i want to be a marine and that was a emotional uh conversation and then eventually it was like hey um i also want to be marine infantry and that was uh mm-hmm. another kind of and 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 this was like 2004 when I'm in college. Oh, so, wow. uh, yeah. you know, Fallujah, Ramadi, like things are heating off. Yeah. yeah. So it was, every time I come home to for a weekend, it was always like, 
you're going to die in Iraq. And I'm like, mom, I'm just here to get some laundry detergent. <laughs> yeah. uh, was, She's waiting for that speech. Yeah. She was ready for you. Yeah. So how many years at Loyola then did you spend? Yeah, I just did, did my four years and I commissioned out of Loyola. So I you know, graduated in May 2008, commissioned in May 2008, and reported to Quantico, uh, Virginia. Wait, school, school only takes four years? Oh, it was an eight-year program. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was at a five and a half. Gosh. <laughs> I want to take a quick break and thank our partners, Sleep Number, and highlight a couple of things they're doing. Guys, these Sleep Number beds are unreal. The technology that they've created, the feedback that it gives you on your sleep. I've got the app opened up right here. They tell you things like your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your breathing rate, all these type uh, metrics and feedback to give you so that you can improve your quality of sleep. They're all over the place. You can go and check yourself out at Sleep Number Store wherever you live. Go to sleepnumber.com as well. They've got great resources on there. We just talked about this not too long ago. They have a whole blog section, all these articles, things that you can improve your health. Sleep Number is definitely changing the game when it comes to bedding. So get yourself to Sleep Number. Get yourself to sleepnumber.com and check them out. Now back to the episode. So for those that aren't familiar, I think everybody knows what ROTC is mm -hmm. generally, but what is like, what's the difference of being, you know, enlisted through ROTC and going to school? What is like while you're going to school? What does that look like? So there's, there's a difference between being enlisted and being commissioned. So when you enlist, uh, it does not require a college degree. Mm -hmm. So at, at 18, you can go enlist uh, there, then you, or you can become a commissioned officer and to become a commissioned officer, there's a few different commissioning sources, the academies, for example, mm -hmm. West Point Naval Academy. Um, there's our, the, the reserve officer training core, which is essentially while you're in college, you kind of play little military guy on the weekend, uh, during, during your summers, mm -hmm. you got to go to a little dr drill every now and then, but you're mostly a student. And, and so ROTC to me is, is a really great deal because you're going to school for free. Uh, there's minimal requirements in terms mm -hmm. of like your military aspects. Um, mm -hmm. and then you, you commission at the end of it and then, or you, if like at right now, if you just, as a college graduate, if you went to your local officer recruiter and said, I want to, you'd have to go to officer candidate school. And if you pass that, you'd be commissioned. So there's, there's a couple different ways to, uh, commission there's, or enlist, um, mm -hmm. And, and I think that's, and that, and that route allows you when you are commissioned to enter in with a higher rank, correct? So as opposed to being, what's so, so if private, you, you, yeah, if, if you enlisted, yeah. you'd, you'd be a, a private and oh. PFC, Lance Corporal. And, it, and when you, when you commission, you start as a second lieutenant. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, All right. So you, you go through, go through college, you graduate, what'd you get your degree in? 2000, uh, I, I double majored again. This is the part of like not having anybody kind of guiding or steering mm -hmm. me. So I was getting a communications degree and like I had thought like I never worried about what I was going to do because I knew I was going to I had right. I had work, uh, yeah. I had employment on the back end. But at some point, I was like, what do you do with a communications degree? And I was like, everything. Uh, it's the greatest degree yeah. on the planet. Yeah, Darren, what do you do with a communications yeah, I degree? Yeah. Like, I know. Yeah. That's the football degree. Yeah. It's communications or, or family studies. African-American yeah. studies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there we go. And I, ha I had a political science minor, and I was like, oh. no one cares about this minor. So I decided to get two degrees. So I got oh. a, I double majored and, like, 
generally like two not very valuable <laughs> 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 majors. And so I thought like maybe if I double major in these things, if you add them together, it'll. Uh, I, I had no idea. What so I was a few doing. good men were out the uh, door. That was yeah. out then, huh? Yeah. Doesn't have a good uh, legal program though. It, I mean. I think that I don't know what their law school is 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 ranked or or not. Uh, I think the University of Chicago has a really or, strong law uh, school. University of Chicago is a great school. Yeah. Um, I don't know what what the, I will say. Uh, I had a great. I was not a great student at Loyola. I really, kind of. My mom was, like, ran a very disciplined home, you mm -hmm. know, and so I I didn't drink in high school. Really, I didn't like smoke. I didn't do any, and and then. And then it was like my first time, my first time, my first night at college at a college was my first night of college. Like mm. I never still like, campus. even when I was a senior in high huh. school, like I couldn't like sleep over anywhere. I couldn't go oh, anywhere. Wow. Like, uh, uh -huh. so to be home at, you know, before midnight and, and I lost my mind. Yeah. I got there and I was like, <laughs> you got buck wild when you I first got, got there. That's like, fine. I, I mean, I get it. He I was streaking night one. <laughs> see, see, uh, Ben can relate to that. Cause it's kind of same deal. And then he got to Abilene Christian and he actually tried a Dr. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. Yeah. diet. was a diet, diet. diet Dr. We don't Pepper. go full Dr. Pepper. <laughs> oh my God. But no, I was, I was the same way. It was like, I was that kid growing up. I was, uh, you know, I never drank. I never did anything wrong. I was always, I lived up to that like standard, right? That was kind of set. And then I got to college and it was like, what? I can yeah. do whatever I want. Yeah. No, I, I, I literally waited till my 21st group. birthday to drink alcohol. I never drank alcohol till my 21st. That's, you, a, yeah. that's how, and if you, and that's if how you, straight and narrow if, I was. And if you ever had, if you ever had a drink of whiskey with him, you'd understand why he doesn't drink. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I've retired for sure. I feel like a heathen. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Freshman in high school, just yeah. going hard. I was, yeah. I was you, yeah. your freshman year yeah. in college. Yeah. My freshman year in high school. Just 13. Just 13 going. <laughs> it was, all my friends in high school were stoners and, yeah. uh, and like, and I, I would nurse one beer over the course of the night because otherwise people are kind of in high school. Like I, and I come home with my mom and be like, Thomas, come here. Let me smell your breath. You, you had a beer. I'm like, are you been drinking? I'm like, drinking would make it sound like I had like multiple, multiple beers. Yeah. Yeah. Like I held one bush light all night, mom. So yeah. that like, and she's like, you're not allowed to drink. You're grounded two weeks. No AOL, oh, no man. aim, no. I'm like, oh, take away that, the aim, dude. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that is uh, everything. Dude, not the aim. No. <laughs> so that was, uh, so yeah, that's. What was, was your screen name on aim, by the way? Uh, it was about like Dave Matthews band. I nice. Was, like, yeah. Really big guy. Do you remember so yours? Dave Matthews band. Uh, no, I think it, I think it would have been like my name and football number or something yeah, like that. I was Probably like, I was Ben FSU twenty one, and my my letters were garnet and gold. Oh That's wow! What, yeah, yeah, I was biggest Florida State fan oh, for, some right. for, some yeah, for some reason. For some reason, for some reason. Anyway, yeah, right. not about all me. right. So, so you graduate <laughs> double major, then you get commission. Um, just walk us through like the full time, uh, the full time commitment into the Marines. Sure. So commission, I owe the Marine Corps four years. Uh, you go, the Marine Corps has a thing called the basic school or TBS. It's down in Quantico, Virginia. And we're different than all the other services where whether you're going to be a pilot, an attorney and logistics, motor T communication, every Marine officer goes for six months of basic mm -hmm. leadership training, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and then Lawyers and pilots have guaranteed contracts, so they're not competing down there, but everybody else in that six months is competing for the job you want. There's like 28 different specialties within the Marine Corps, yeah. infantry, intelligence, artillery, 
so logistics and, and so um it was that it was that same thing where I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but after the first time we went out to the field, all these people who like kind of talked a big game were like, I don't want to be infantry anymore. They mm. all said, Oh, I want to be infantry. And then it was a cold, oh, yeah. cold couple nights. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, actually like, <laughs> yeah. Check it like out. logistics sounds good. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, I said, well, if, and this is what attracted me to the Marine Corps in the first place was like the challenge. And, and I said, okay, if, if you guys don't want that challenge, I do want that challenge. And so, that's when I decided I want to be infantry officer, graduate the base school, go to infantry officer training. And that's where I really, for the first time, understood that I was in the right profession, mm. that, that I had, that I did in fact have a calling. Like 9-11, there was something, there was a call to service, but it wasn't until I got to the infantry officer's course that, that I understood that, that I have a warrior's heart mm. and that, that I, I am in fact in the right place, doing the right thing with the right people. And, 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 and so that was a pretty, at some point we're running through the woods, shooting machine guns and rockets and mortars and just aggressive mm. every day we fight in that school. I mean, like, like we'll be in the middle of a class of like, say, grab, grab your mouthpieces, go outside and you just all start beating the crap out of each mm. other. And I was like, this is my shit. Like this is, and start throwing up gang signs yeah. as you're about to hit people. Uh, <laughs> and 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 so it was uh it, it was it was out there in the Quantico woods that I finally said like you know I think God had a calling for me and and, mm-hmm. and, I, and, I, and it was and it was an assumption like I thought I it was this warrior thing and then finally I felt like yes this is and then you know combat ultimately is the the greatest validator of that if yeah. it is your mm. right profession or not just like uh but uh that would come uh so a- after infantry school i got orders out to camp pendleton third battalion fifth marines and uh, i was a platoon commander meaning i had 40 marines to lead um in an infantry battalion and uh, we ended up going to afghanistan mm. at, at what age was that that you had 40 men to lead 22 yeah at 22 at 22 what was that like having to lead that many men at 22 years old. Yeah, that's like, uh, you know, again, just having just taught at the Naval Academy for a couple of years, everybody wants to know what's the secret to, to like leadership or what, what's the, what's the little formula or what's the hack? You know, everybody's yeah. like hacks oh, yeah. these yeah. days. Is there oh, a leadership yeah. hack? Uh, I'll tell you like the Marine Corps takes nine months to train you before you step in front of those Marines. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that front end investment where they teach you tactically and, 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 and technically. And so when, when you step in front of those Marines, you don't know it all. You're not the number one expert in that platoon. But I felt, of course, there's some like imposter syndrome, some insecurity, sure. some butterfly, mm-hmm. some nervousness. I'm not saying like I, I wasn't a little bit nervous that I wasn't a little bit unsure, but I knew how to be an infantryman and I knew, and I'm a leader. And so I, I think from day one, it's not on the job training day one, you have to be prepared to lead those men and, 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 and potentially lead them in, in combat. And so, uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I took those 40 Marines and got right after it started attacking and it was such an awesome awesome job because you're responsible for 40 guys and it's like what are you going to do today throw grenades what are you going to do tomorrow shoot rockets uh like what are we going to do on friday 
shoot machine guns, 50 cals. Like, and like that's, and, and, and I'm living in San Clemente, driving along the Pacific Coast Highway every day. And I, I get to go in and just do violent stuff with some violent dudes. And uh, yeah. it was, it was, uh, it was an awesome, like that one year leading up to the, the deployment. Um, it was a fun time. Was it a, was it a heavy burden though? I mean, being, having that, you're 22. I'm sure some of those that are, those Marines that are underneath yeah, you are older than older, you. Yeah. 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 Wasn't yeah. that a heavy burden? It, the, you know, the burden of command is, is kind of the, the phrase that, that we use. And, and it, it is an immediate responsibility mm-hmm. and, and one that I grew to increasingly appreciate, uh, under fire, but it is, um, it is the, 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 the it's, it's in my profession, uh, the consequences are life and death. Mm-hmm. And at 22 years old, to be issued 40 of American sons mm-hmm. of America's sons, 40, 40 brothers, 40, uh, some of them being dads already. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 a, and a mom is saying, here's my son. Mm-hmm. I'm trusting you to lead him well, mm-hmm. to develop him, to prepare him to fight in this no kidding life or death contest. And so there's a gravity unique to this profession in, mm-hmm. in that it, there are no do-overs. There's not call of duty. You don't respond. Uh, and, and that the, the potential of that human life, if, if it's a, if it expires under your watch, it's, it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. And so there, there is, uh, an incredible responsibility that you assume the moment you take command of something in, 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 in this profession. So before we go to your deployment, I want to kind of go back. Um, and just recently in the media, you know, there's been criticism about training tactics in the military and specifically like using tear gas, um, and, and subjecting, um, you know, uh, subjecting people going through training to tear gas. I want to I want to dig into this because it I obviously don't wish pain or, or anything upon anybody, but it's like it's one of those things for me that is so just like frustrating about society in why you're doing certain things. And you brought up, hey, we're going outside and we're we're actually we're fighting and we're, we're building calluses. We're building toughness. We're we're training. We're doing all these things. Right. But like and 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 you can defer and, and we can skip off of this if, 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 if you don't want to, but talking about like subjecting, you know, in, in, in uh, basic training or officer training or whatever specific training to the elements that you are likely or going to be subjected to in battle and why it's necessary to push, push the limits during training and the tactics that we've used to create the greatest military in history, but just, I don't know, maybe just your opinion, your thoughts on why you have to push within the training aspect so that when combat actually comes prepared. Yeah. I think Thucydides said he is best who's trained in the severest of schools. So you, you can pay now or you can pay later. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's a, you know, there's another quote that says, let no man's ghost say if I'd only been better trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you, you want to experience all those human factors 
as many of the human factors as you can in training because I, I think I had a world-class training. I had world, the Marine Corps provided me world-class training before I deployed. But so everything that happened when I was deployed, I was to some degree trained to, mm -hmm. uh, there are still things that will emerge in combat that there's, there simply is no amount of training that, mm -hmm. that can replicate mm -hmm. th those experiences. And so you can, you, you shed those tears in training and you shed the, you know, your, the blood in training so that in war you can, you know, mitigate that. And, and so, uh, you want to become well acquainted with misery, suffering, hardship, and adversity while it's still within your control, which is mm -hmm. the, your training environment. Uh, because all you have to do is open any history book and read about war and you'll find that like those things are in supply, bountiful supply on, on the battlefield. And so we as leaders have an obligation uh, to introduce that adversity at every opportunity that we have to better prepare and train and equip our Marine sailor soldiers, airmen, so that when they have to do the real thing, it's not the, it's not the first time. And right. so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think any efforts to make a kinder, gentler military are antithetical to the reason that we exist. Yeah. And when you look at your instruments of power, diplomacy, information, military, and economic, the military instrument of national power exists only for one thing, and that is to violently persuade our nation's mm. enemies. Mm. It's, it's violent persuasion. That's why you have a military. It's, yeah. it's, it's because we tried to talk about it. We couldn't, we couldn't use our it words. Didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> we tried to talk, use economic means. We, couldn't, we tried to use information, media. It didn't work. So we tried, hopefully we tried everything else. And now we're saying that this thing is so important that we're going to send young men to potentially die for it. And, and at that point, once you've committed me and my Marines, uh, you are now in the a life or death arena. Mm. And, uh, and, and so we just can't forget that the only reason you have a military is violent persuasion and that violent persuasion will always be savage brutal uh and result in carnage and death and so mm -hmm. if you're trying to do something that detracts from the lethality of uh the military then you are doing a disservice to the people who you will end up uh, sending into harm's way. Yeah, man, that was strong. That was really strong. Yeah, yeah, that really was. That was as good as you could say it. And, yeah. and and you said something in the beginning there. You can't prepare for everything, but you do need to practice things that you're likely to encounter. And I think us as civilians, we can take that lesson. You know, many of us, especially in 2022, we we've eliminated all discomfort from life, and you do the best you can to avoid discomfort. And then something big happens and you've never faced any adversity before. How do you perform? What do you do? So, I, and people are tired of me probably repeating this, but that's why I'm such an advocate for getting physically active because it's such a good way to have some controlled discomfort, at least a little bit. I know it's not a lot and it may not compare to, you know, a big sickness or loss of job, but at least it gives you a little bit of a dose. 
of that discomfort that you can have. So I love that point that you made of you've got to be able to, you know, practice at least a little bit what you're potentially going to see in war. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, (laughs) I hate using the analogy like of like football to, to military because I always have to preface. It's not the same, not even remotely, No, but it would be like, it would be like, all right, in practice and training camp, we're never putting pads on right. ever, mm. ever. But on Sundays, line up and play this game. Now yeah. go play. Now yeah. they can hit you in the mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to react. You're not going to no. react well. And I think it's it's you know to your point, right? When it, when adversity does hit, yeah, you may not have trained for that, mm-hmm. but you're training your reaction to the adversity. And so, yeah, you may not have seen that exact situation in training, mm-hmm. but depending on how you react dictates the result, the ultimate result of that. You know what I'm most amazed about is that the discipline that comes along with, and I understand you guys do that in training and all, but how things flow up. Again, you're 22 years old. You're, 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 I'm just so enamored by the fact that on the leadership side, because we, we were going through in our country today, we're going through where people you know don't understand their roles or won't play their roles. Mm-hmm. They'll find a way to, to escape and move on from it. How, how you can keep men in a, in a position of, hey, this is how it's going to flow. Here's your role through this process. And to keep them, you know, engaged in that, in that aspect, even when the bullets are flying. How, how do you lead in that way? How, what is it that, that they're looking, these, these young men are looking to you and saying, hey, you know, what do we do next? You know, how do you engage in that and say, okay, this is, you know, you're staying the protocol. Yeah. You, you do it through deeds and mm. through your example and you do it, uh, by, you, you never ask someone to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Oh. And so you model and you show and, and you don't, it's not too many words it is you have to be a man of action. Mm. And so it's, it's leading from the front. It's, it's being the first one on the hike. It's running, being the first one up on the run of the hill. It's the first, and, and you know, the, this is, you, you alluded to this idea is, is, is a common phrase that we have. It's like, what now, Lieutenant? Mm. And it really is, it really, that really does happen. And, and I was in an ambush where we were caught out in the open and the enemy had what we call grazing fire, which is about like knee high cap machine gun fire. And so we were, pinned down there was no, no immediate fire solution that we can do to get repel the enemy and we needed the only thing we could do is get up and bound to this canal where there was some cover and, and some mm. defilade that we could get behind uh some of these berms and then we could spin up mortars and then we get our machine guns and we could work a solution from there but where we were in that field in the open the only solution was to get the hell out of there uh and everybody's looking at me as we're pinned down, poking up a little turkey peak, mm. trying to see what the hell are we going to do, Lieutenant? <laughs> mm. I'm like, okay, uh, we're going to get up and we got to move. And so like, I've got to be the first person up. Mm. And, you know, I'm six foot two with a big head. And like, I get up <laughs> and then the enemy's just like, all right, following me. And I'm like, let's go. You do the old follow mm. me thing. Right. And, and, and so it wasn't me saying, like, hey, somebody should move right who wants to go like it's like i will 
be uh-huh. the one to say and, and and to show like I'm going to get us moving by me moving. Right. And and and, and so uh I I think um first and foremost it you, you lead through your deeds and, and, and setting the example. You set the you set the right expectations. Uh and then you've got these God sends called sergeants, you know, and and so these sergeants, these NCOs, uh, are are there to support you, um, and and so you you don't have to do it alone. You do it, and you everything is, you know, the value of a team. And so, uh, but but first and foremost, um, yeah, you you get out front and you lead by example. I want to dig so into st- the mindset, right? <laughs> you're you're hunkered down behind what what little cover was there. Yeah. From your thought process, decision-making ability, right? I think someone that's never been in combat, someone that's never, like, how how much training you have, can you still think, like, does it slow down or is it just like, does it become reaction? You know, what is that, what is your mind mm. like in that moment when you're making these decisions? It's, it's a, there's a couple of things here. Like, one, for me, being courageous was not that challenging for, for two reasons. As a leader, it's never about you. Mm-hmm. As a leader, you've got these 40 sons, these children that 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 belong to you and, and belong to somebody else. And and it's it's such an easy decision for me. It's like I have to move so that they're like mm-hmm. this person's in trouble. It's like if your son if your son ran out on the street, you wouldn't be like, oh I yeah. can get hit you too. Go. You yeah. just you just go right. Yeah. Like, well, it depends so, on what sun it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just joking. I'm, you're going. I'm sorry. So that, that that to me is is one element of freedom. That when 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 you're a leader, you're never worried about you. You you and, mm. and so that's very freeing. And then two, as a Christian, it's like if it's time time to go, it's my time to go. Oh, you know, like I'm yeah. going to a better place. See you guys later. Like, and so like there, there was never, uh, I wasn't, I don't think that I'm not like afraid of death in that it, to me, it's a transition. And, uh, and, and so that part was always very freeing for me. Uh, so, so my faith and then just, uh, my devotion to my troops allow me to do things that may seem courageous, but to me, they're just things that I'm doing out of necessity. Mm. I've got to go. But what about like thinking, still thinking strategically? So so there's, there's two, there's two things there. This discipline is the instant willingness and obedience to orders. Discipline is the instant willingness and obedience to orders. And, and, and so that's why we do things like drill. So, so it's like, like, uh, I don't even know the drill commands. <laughs> so some sergeant's going to yell at me, but it's like, you know, <laughs> pivot left, like left face, about face, right face. And so when you're doing these drill, like it, it's an instant left face, everybody turns left, right mm. face, everybody. And that's why they start at boot camp mm. with this drill. It's because it's drilling this instant willingness and obedience to orders. And then it, and it, and it builds up to like contact left. So you're, you're doing a patrol and you're in your training, you say like contact left. That means like an, an enemy ambush from the left. Mm. And immediately everybody faces left lays down suppression fire people start bounding and so there are some things that uh happen out of purely training and drill mm. over and over again and, and as a person who's done many drills in your life mm. you know the value of yeah. of of that a, dr- a drill allows you to do some things without thinking yeah. but certainly 
as that that's like the first part so the the enemy starts shooting at us from the left everybody knows what to do when an enemy starts shooting at you from the, like mm -hmm. so things start happening without me having to but ultimately there are going to be factors in this situation and variables in the situation that the drill doesn't necessarily address and that's where like i still have to be uh and and for me there's there's thing called co uh, Cooper's color code. And, and so you go out and you're in the yellow, which means you're alert and relaxed. And so you have this expectation, like a fighter going into a ring that you're going to get hit. Mm -hmm. And so that way, when you, when you recognize that I'm a fighter in the ring, when you get punched in the mouth, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. yeah. It has to be like, well, of course somebody punched me in the mouth. Mm -hmm. I'm a fighter in the ring. And right. Mm -hmm. You don't become like a victim yeah. to that. You don't become internal. You, you already had your hands up and it doesn't mean that like you couldn't get stunned or, but, you, but you can still think and, 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 and respond to those things. And so this is what I, what I was saying. Like, uh, I felt very validated that I did in fact choose the right profession because things really, for me, the, the battlefield became my symphony mm -hmm. and like, it was like, we need more machine guns here. Mm -hmm. We need a little artillery here. And like, and like, you know, the Bugs Bunny where he's like on the, it's the ride of the Valkyries. Like, that's how I felt like, you know, just like you, you probably felt on the, on the field. And I was, you know, use like the Michael Jordan. It's like Michael Jordan was meant to play basketball, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. like that, that's, he's meant to be on the court. Yeah. And, and so undoubtedly there's something in me that when I am under fire, I'm the best of best. Things slow of down for you. Yes. Whenever everybody is speeding up for everybody else, it's slowing down for you. And, and the, the best version of myself is, is when I'm under fire in, wow. in my, mm. and, and, mm. and so, uh, yeah, to be able to read and see the battlefield. Um, but I, again, I want to emphasize, I am just one small part of a team of a platoon. And sure. so, uh, no, nothing happens without that PFC, without that Lance Corporal, without that machine gunner, uh, bounding towards the enemy, you know, uh, mm -hmm. I'm quarterbacking, mm -hmm. uh, to some degree, but no, none of that happens without young, brave warriors closing to zero and putting the bayonets in the enemy's guts and doing the things that these savages do. And so, oh, yeah. uh, do you, do you attribute that ability to innate and you were born with it or do you attribute it to more the way you were raised or maybe some combination of the two how do you perceive that yeah so ability? I, I think it's certainly a calling like the warrior profession is one of the oldest professions they say i think like prostitution is the oldest profession like and like maybe second is being a warrior like from a very early age somebody picked up a rock or a stick and like said, this is my cave this is my cave right and, they, and so like from a very long time. And, and so I do think not every person that joins the military has that calling. I think some people join for whatever reason, uh, but there is a, a professional warrior class that I think in every society has been evident. Um, so I think there is to some degree being born with, with this as, as a, as a no kidding, like warrior's heart calling, uh, Certainly, part of it is trained. Mm -hmm. I mean, your your ability to respond to the different tactical scenarios, uh, ambushes, you, you you do train to those standards. But you know, it's just like we kind of, and, and I think we can still use like football analogies or metaphors because a lot of the principles 
apply. It's like uh, it, you, you really, you could be great in training, you know, like Alan Iverson's, we're talking about practice, you know, right. we can be great in there's, there's, I've seen guys who are good in training and then under fire on game day, right. it's not they, so good. they yeah. can't. And, yeah. and so you do when, when we, when the, when, when the bullets, because you, in training, you're always shooting the targets. Mm -hmm. The targets aren't shooting back at you. Right. Yeah. On the battlefield, the targets are shooting back at you. And so when the bullets start to come back towards you, it's a whole different mm -hmm. ball game. And, and so uh, I, I think part of that is, yeah, I, I think part of it is innate and a calling, but part of it is is the training. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you rise, you, you, you fall to the level of your training, you don't rise to whatever, right. you know, so wow. that, that quote, so. Yeah. And that applies in so many ways. Like, it does. It just... I mean, what you just got done talking about in the last 10 minutes applies across the board. Yeah. Whether it be sports, whether it be corporate America. Like, I'm looking at you like, hey, man, you need a job as a CEO, brother. I'd hire you in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, but it does, man. And it starts, like you said, it starts with you. You're the person one has to get up. And, and they have to see it, whether it be your employees or, or even as family. Yep. They have to see you get up first. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah. All right. So just – Briefly walk us through kind of the journey. And, you know, you said, hey, I, I owed the Marines four years. And here you are, what, 14 years later? Yep. 14 years later, still active. So just walk us through that, the, your, you know, the process of being active, you know, deployments, whatever you can share. Um, but that kind of ultimately, one, I guess, met your wife. And yep. then two, became a father. Yep. And how that has shifted or how that as if it has at all changed anything from your mentality. Yeah. I, I met my wife in youth group in high school. Uh, mm. So we actually 21 years uh, was our first date uh, on Halloween. We, we, we went, oh, and wow. we, uh, yeah. we went and trick or treated for canned goods for the food pantry at the church. And that was like, we held hands. that was 2001. Okay. Uh, uh, Halloween. Uh, so we've been together for a minute. Um, We've had our ups and downs, but, uh, I, uh, so yeah, that, that's, I met my wife and, and, and church youth group. Um, and when I got back from that deployment, uh, I wanted to go back to, to combat and I wanted to lead Marines again. And, and I viewed, uh, going to recon as the best opportunity to do that. I also, Again, I'm a person who wants challenges and high standards. And so Marine Recon community said, you know, do you have what it takes? And I said, well, I want to go find out. Uh, so I, I went over to, to Recon. Um, I became what's called a, a, a JTAC, which means I can control airstrikes. And then uh, I got sent on an individual kind of assignment to go advise the Afghan Army Recon Company. And so it wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. I was hoping to lead Recon Marines. And mm -hmm. I ended up going to Afghanistan to lead Recon Afghan soldiers. Mm -hmm. uh, but, a different level of leadership. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was still a great deployment in that I, I, I got, I like fighting. You know, I, I don't, I am a big, I'm the biggest peace advocate. You know, you, you will not find anyone because, of, because I am so well acquainted with the horrors and, and the price associated with war. Mm. Uh, I will implore people to figure out a way to resolve our mm -hmm. differences peacefully. Mm -hmm. uh, but personally, I enjoy the violence. Like personally, mm -hmm. I enjoy fighting. And, mm -hmm. and so, um, you know, I can sustain on an individual level indefinitely like to go out there and, and, and fight. And so 
uh, I got out there and I spent almost a year in Afghanistan on a second deployment and it was very kinetic again. It was very violent again. Um, came back, uh, I went to the, what we call a school of infantry. Uh, I was an instructor there. Uh, then I became a company commander. And so I deployed to Australia now I had 150 Marines that mm -hmm. I was in charge of. Mm -hmm. Um, got back from Australia. I went to Georgetown, uh, got a master's degree in English. Then I went and taught English at the Naval Academy for a couple of years. Then I Marine Corps sent me to get another degree, uh, in like strategy and defense, um, at the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island. And now I'm here as, as the operations officer of an infantry battalion, getting ready to deploy, uh, this up next summer. Um, mm. so we'll head to the Pacific somewhere. So that's, uh, that's, that's, that's 14 years. Mm. How are things different now that I'm as a, as a dad? Very, uh, in, in that when you're a young man without any other duties or responsibilities is very freeing. Mm -hmm. And you know, the idea of like risk and adventure are appealing yeah. to like 22 and 23 and 18 year old men, like risk and adventure. Like, yes, mm -hmm. I would like to do that. Yeah. That sounds, and, and, and all of us want to go on our, our own hero's journey where we, where, where we get to go out and slay those dragons. Right. It's, it's, it's a natural, mm -hmm. like every tribe throughout, history has had some kind of rite of passage mm -hmm. and so as young men we all want to go out conquer something right. yeah and then you know come home and having learned those values and so the the the, the marine corps provided me an incredible opportunity to go out there and, and, and slay some dragons and discover like who i was and um and and there's there's no kidding like rites of passage built into how we train and so uh but as a dad, I now have a higher loyalty. And, and that, that, is, that is very new to me because when I left the fleet, the operating forces where you're training and deploying, mm -hmm. I didn't have any kids. And now I'm back in the fleet with three kids. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my Marine Corps career, I value something, someone more than my own life mm -hmm. more than, and, uh, there is a somewhat of a tension there that, um, where I, I would go to work and work forever with the boys and just get after it. It's mm. cause like, it doesn't matter. Like I got, uh, you know, and, and now every time I'm thinking like there, there, what, what's different is that there's a, a, a whole new level of, of personal sacrifice. Yeah. Right. Mm. And so there's, the, the Marine Corps is still the most professionally rewarding job I can imagine doing. Like every day I work, I work very long days as the operations officer, but I come home and I'm, and I feel professionally rewarded. I said, that was good work. Mm -hmm. yeah. I worked with a good team. I have strong men in my, that, that we That's work awesome. with. And like, we're doing important things. Like we're, we're, we're there's a thousand Marines in this battalion and, and, and every week they're getting more lethal and more able to survive in combat because of like the things that we, that we're, mm -hmm. we're setting up and, and, and doing. Uh, so there's still like significant professional reward. Uh, and the personal sacrifice was always there, but never like a big factor to me because it was just me. Right. And so it's no problem. Yeah. Uh, but now that personal sacrifice impacts a family. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is a variable that really does uh, change things. Yeah. 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 Talk to us about the difference in, you know, as a leader, you got to, know the differences and who you're speaking to and so you're leading these men all day long and you're doing good work like you said and then you come home and now you got to lead a family 
how do you marry those two things, leading men who are getting ready for war and then leading children who are getting ready for yeah. life? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, one, it still does. It is always, you're always setting an example. And, and, and so like that doesn't change. Like at work, I'm always being watched at home. I'm always being watched mm-hmm. at work. People have to listen to me because I'm a major. You know, at home, uh, my troops are insubordinate at home. You know, like there's, I'm going to start using that phrase. Yeah. My troops are insubordinate at home. There's just gross dereliction of duty, uh, you know, and uh, it's humbling is what it yes, is. And so sure is. like I can I can lead in the Marine Corps through a couple of ways, like through a positive example of like persuading through rewarding or I can shame and, and th- there's, or I can provide consequences. There are a number of like, uh, when I get home and I tell my daughter, like, Hey, you know, she's four and she's just negative. will not comply. Like will not comply with that order. Uh, I, <laughs> I see what you're ordering. I'm going to do the opposite thing. And it's like, okay. Uh, and, and so like finding ways, to convince her to do it is, uh, yeah, it is, it's a unique challenge. Well, um, she's not impressed that you're this big shot at work. She doesn't care. <laughs> you're just dead. Yes. <laughs> and that's hard, especially if you're working long hours. It, it, the last thing you want to come home and do is discipline. Yep. That's and a great that's, point. And that's hard. It's a great point. And, and I think that's, you know, being a father, I mean, that's, that's those lessons, right? You're talking about that you learn is all right what do i want to do and what's necessary distinguishing between the two because yeah. it's it's hard it's really the yeah. last thing i want to do is like mom is tired mm-hmm. and then i you know now my real job starts when i get home with the kids yep <clears throat> and and then it's like oh like <laughs> you're being disrespectful you know you're not talking to your mother the way that that you you will talk to your mother so now I've got a discipline, but the last thing that I want to do right now is come home. And then now I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Now I'm the, like, when dad gets home, then all yeah, the fun all, stops, yeah. Yeah. you know, and you never want to be that, but how do you handle, how do you, well, I, I first thing I, I love that you said, like when I get home, then my, my real job starts. And, and I think there's so much of society and especially through like what's represented in pop culture and TV and movies is like the, the, the dad who comes, it's the Al Bundy, the dad yeah, who comes home, so. sits on a couch. It's yeah. Homer Simpson. It's it's Phil Dumphy. It's all these dads who are Peppa Pig, if you watch that. Like, the dads are always a liability. <laughs> yes, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dads, dads are these incompetent boobs yeah. that- Go mom, ask your mom. mom yeah. my, that yeah. moms have to continue, yeah. like, do, do the yeah. battle. It's another child they, in the house. They, yeah. 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 And, and, like, and this idea that dads come home and they just, like, drink a beer and go in the garage or dads come home and like play a video game. Like, no dads come home and then they, they get to their most important work of the day is is what you do. And Mm -hmm. so that's why I love the show Bluey, uh, because it has a positive. It's my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. Bluey's a good one. So, um, he's a dad that plays with his kids. And, and so, uh, but I try to, again, overwhelmingly be positive and and, and pour love into my kids and and tell my daughter, she's a princess and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but, there is something, there is a discipline aspect and like my son is two and he is belligerent and he will like <laughs> continue to bite and hit his mom and she'll say, stop Jack. And he'll be like, no, like, and I'll have to come in. I'm like, Jack, you're not 
hitting or biting anybody anymore. <laughs> right, like right. you got it, buddy. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and unfortunate, I only maybe have an hour with him before he yeah. goes to bed, but I'm not doing him any favors by allowing him to continue yeah. to have right. shitty behavior. Right. Yeah. And, and like, that's what we, we, when I talk about leadership, like, like your Marines, they don't need another buddy. Like mm-hmm. they, they need a leader. It's not yes. likership, it's leadership. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like as, as a leader, you have to do things that are unpopular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not trying to be my kid's friend. Yeah. I'm being, I'm, they, they need me to be their dad mm-hmm. first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And I hope I can be their friend, sure, but if, but, but I don't need people to, to like me. I need people to respect Spectre. me and people will respect you if you hold them to standards and you hold yourself to those standards yeah. first and foremost, then that's, that's where you, you, you got to start. You know, it's so funny. True. We're in a parenting series in my church right now. And, um, there was a couple of things that like, and we, you've talked about it multiple times already about don't ask your kids to do something that you wouldn't do. So, and if you can do it, do it, be the example. Like, I, I mean, and I catch myself, like, it's like, Hey, uh, Gia, go grab me that remote over there. It's like, no, get up, go over and get it yourself. Like you don't need, your kids aren't there as servants. Now really, you can teach them, <laughs> you can teach them to be, to have a servant heart to be and to serve others. <laughs> That's our justified. <laughs> I like, wash my feet, take my boots off. <laughs> go ahead and rub, go ahead and rub, 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 those, go ahead and rub those rub dogs. Those things, yeah. <laughs> go ahead and rub those dogs. <laughs> So I had you, but you, I, I think that you can teach that. But but again, it's as 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 a father and as a parent. I think more specifically speaking to fathers right now is show them yeah. what it looks like to serve. And like you said, you're being watched at home all mm. the time. So what you do, you can tell them all day, right? All day, but a three, two, three, four, five year old. They're not going to process you telling them what right, to do. Like right. that just doesn't register. They need to see it and they need to see the repetition of it. All right, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, we are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids. It is endless, the things that they've not only improved but added. Um, but it's just an the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, but it's just a short drive up 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode. But, you know, even, like, I, I hope that there's executives that are listening there and listen to this podcast. Because what you just said right now, it, it applies so much in corporate America. It's like, I don't need to be your friend. But because I am who I am, you're going to respect me because I've earned your respect. Like, I don't need, we don't need to go out and have coffee and, and have, be best of friends and have families together and all that. But because you've set a path and a set a way, they're going to, res- they should respect who you are as a person. And I think that applies. And I, I've had the same conversation uh, at, with the Cowboys when we were a 5-11 and 11 team was that exact conversation. 
I'm going to show up early. I'm going to do A, B, and C. You're going to watch me. You're going to see me do this, A, B, C, and D, but I'm not going to be your best friend. And you may not like me, but you're going to respect me. And that applies, man. And I think that is so po- so powerful to those that are moms and dads that are listening, but it's specifically those who are running a business to yeah. hear those words. Yeah. I mean, respect is always earned, never given. That's right. And, and it's, it's given, and, and we're talking about giving people what they need, not what they want. Mm-hmm. And so like what my Marines want is for me to say like, Hey, for PT today, we're just going to do a uh, flag football. And then yeah, uh, yeah. we're going to, uh, I'm going to secure you at noon and you'll be off for the day. And like, just go back to the barracks and play some video games mm-hmm. and uh, see y'all. Like, that's what people want. Yeah. That's what they, that's what they think they want. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But they didn't become Marines because they wanted it easy. They became you could have been anything in the world. Mm-hmm. You want to be a United States Marine because you wanted to challenge. You said these guys. And so like, what do I owe you? What do you actually need? What you need is hard, realistic training mm-hmm. because I'm taking you potentially to war. And so what, 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 what you need is another repetition out there. What you need is to get out into that field and put that mm-hmm. pack on. And that that's, so I'm going to give you what you need and what you want. And so first what you want, which may be, unpleasant at, at times um and and so the same thing at home like what, what do my kids want they want to just eat freaking candy all the yeah. time and just sit on the couch and watch tv like what they need is like to eat a freaking vegetable and to like get outside and, right. and, and 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 play and so and and to your point the is as well as these basic aspects of like what will get you respect as a leader uh we 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 make leadership again, like I kind of talked about at the beginning of the, the, the talk is like, what is the hack? What's the leadership hack? What, what, what is the, what is the magic potion, the formula mm-hmm. for, and I, I think like the principles of leadership are pretty basic. You know, you have to be good at what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to be basically competent and proficient mm-hmm. because if you're not basically competent and proficient at what you do, then you're a liability. Right. And so be an asset, mm-hmm. not a liability. Yep. And so like, if you were a football player, like, First and foremost, like you have to be decent at football, like mm-hmm. you know, and so like you know, whatever your profession is, be good at it. Uh, and then you, you you have to have character uh, because if you are a hypocrite, mm-hmm. if you have no honor, if you have no integrity, you're just not a man worth following. And again, right. that applies at home yes. or, or or in the workplace. If 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 you if you tell people, hey, here's the standard, here's what we do, and then you never model that That's thing or right. do that, and you violate that thing, you've lost without character, you, people will not have trust and confidence in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then finally, like you do have to care to an extent. And, and so, and, but by caring, what we conflate uh, caring with is often coddling, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, if you care about me, if you're compassionate, then you'll coddle me. It's like, no, because I care about you, I actually will not coddle That's you right. because yeah. I care about you. I'm going to hold you to standards because I care about you. I'm, going to in, in, introduce some adversity to you because we recognize that you know life if, if i if i didn't care about my kids i would never make them do anything hard right like that would be like i would just you know it, it's it's uh it's it's you, you don't you don't pave pave the road or either way you know you preparing the road ahead for your kids is is life is going to be full of punches mm-hmm. and ambushes and and if and if i actually care about you I'm going to expose you to some of these things. I'm going to take that little two minute clip right there. I'm going to post that on my social media. I think for every day for the next two years, just so people hear it. Like I 
like caring for you is not coddling. Like that is mm-hmm. gold. Like well, that, in, in, in society, that is completely, completely opposite to what I feel like overall what we are we are trending towards and what mm. what we are doing. Because mm-hmm. again, it is all about all about, oh no, 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 let's make it easier. Yeah. No, we Enabling. Want, like we enable oh, our kids. Yeah. And I and I'm yeah. I'm one of the the worst. I'm glad you said that. At, I, was, I was about to say it. <laughs> but I am. I mean, and it's something that you, what you just said, you're right, Tyler. You're going to hold on to that clip because it's a reminder to me to say, hey, look, you know, they got to fail. Yeah. So they, it, their kids have to fail. It's preparing the child for the road, not the road for the child. Yes. Right. And that that right. book, mm. The Coddling of the American Mind, he, yeah. he talks yeah. about that, yeah. uh, which leads to actually something I want to discuss with you is, is the coddling of this generation, my generation, honestly, that's it's, that's been coddled, and now we're doing the same to our kids, you know, and then we're seeing the statistics that military recruitment is down. Do you think the two coincide? What, what's your thoughts on where we're headed in that direction as far as military service? Yeah. Uh, so first and foremost, the ranks are still filled with great Americans. And so it's, it's, it's tempting to say like this generation or this generation and always say like back in my day, Mm. we were real men back in my Mm. day, this. And so, uh, it is very tempting to do that. You know, I just went out to the field with my Marines two weeks ago and, uh, I can tell you they're still hard dudes. They're still attacking these. They're eight. They are 18 years old. They grew up in generation Z or whatever. Mm And they're out there and they're kicking ass. Uh, and, you know, when I taught at the Naval Academy, I taught at the Academy from like 19 to 21. Uh, I got to see great young Americans in my classroom every day. It was very hopeful and, and inspiring. Uh, so it's not all doom and gloom. Undoubtedly, you look at what the society or, or culture values. It, it is uh, it's soft. Uh, and it, it is it's your feelings and it's, you know, and, uh, it's, it's soft. And like, mm-hmm. you know, they say good, good times, great. soft like hard yeah. times, yeah. great hard men, yep. uh, hard, hard men, men create good, good times, times, good times. And so there's, there's, and, and so, uh, we'll find out if this, this emphasis on that people should be completely free of anything but happiness, you know, that, that I am just, and you, you mentioned the word entitled, Mm -hmm. that I am entitled to just happiness. And like, you'll find, I mean, we'll find out that the the world simply doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so in, in terms of like the recruiting challenges, uh, it's, I mean, it's no secret that the, the numbers are out there that, that, Many of the services had their worst recruiting years in decades. Mm. And it's, you know, part of it is, is what do we value as a society? Um, but also part of it, what, what I, what I've found interesting is that often, so the army will report and say, we, we, we missed our mission by 25% this year. It's because of COVID it's because of, this uh it's because of the economy what we what we as services have to do is look in the mirror and say are are we desirable are we Mm. what what type of people do we want to attract Mm. 
and why are why aren't we attracting them mm-hmm. uh and and to kind of blame any of the recruiting challenges on cultural or societal factors to me is it's it's a you 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 shirk the responsibility and accountability that you have to make yeah. and and so at that that's what I loved about the you know the Marine Corps was always like do do we don't promise you a rose garden like mm-hmm. do you have what it takes come find out uh and and so you know when I when I taught at the Naval Academy part of my mission was like an implied mission was to recruit midshipmen to be because at the naval academy you you can go navy officer or marine officer right Mm -hmm. and so part of kind of an implied task as a marine there is uh to recruit midshipmen to want to be marines and i would tell them i don't want you to be a marine Mm. i i got something special and i can't want that thing for you if you want it you can find out maybe you have it Mm -hmm. maybe you'll have what it takes maybe not uh, but, mm. but I, I, uh, see, that's but how you I, get, that's hey, how you would I, get me. Like, that's exactly oh, what I heard. Wait a minute, man. Yeah. I'm like, that's probably how you got girls in San Clemente in the bars. <laughs> 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 I know I got something special. Got something I, don't special. Want, <laughs> I don't want you to want me. You got to figure that out yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like I said, it's tough being a Marine in San Clemente. <laughs> <laughs> Stand out with your stupid haircut and all these other guys <laughs> got sand in their yeah. feet and long oh, hair and man. Uh, oh man. But uh, yeah. Uh, so in, in terms of the, the recruiting issue, uh, we'll, 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 like we as a nation will have to determine uh, what we value, uh, what we want to defend, what we want to preserve, um, and this profession is an honorable one. Uh, the, the warrior profession is noble. At times it's been used uh, for ignoble means. At times it's been used for things that we may view as, as wasteful or unnecessary. The application of where you put your Marines and soldiers and sailors and airmen, those decisions aren't made by the services. They're made by our civilian leadership. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, don't conflate where, what wars we fought with the services themselves. Like yeah. you have to, the, the American people send the Marines. Mm-hmm. We're an expeditionary force in readiness. We're, we're America's 911 force. So when you need us, we're ready to go. But we don't determine what that, what that battle is or what that location is. And, and so, uh, to, I think a little bit like the, the military has been viewed upon uh, unfavorably because of some of the wars it's been involved in. It's important to know, like, we just show up at a time and place that we're our, of our appointed That's duty. That's right, yeah. Uh, and then we go there and we fight and our, win our battles tactically. But wars are won strategically and the, the strategy comes from our civilian leadership mm. generally. Uh the, the overall kind of some of the, the, that strategy and and uh, I, all I can tell you is that um, within the Marine Infantry, which is where I'm at right now, uh, it is still an awesome place to be. Uh, it's still rowdy. It's still uh, it's full of adventure. Uh, full of risk. If, if, if I was an 18 year old, uh, I think 
and I wanted to go see the world mm-hmm. and, and find out what I was made of, I think there are definitely still some viable paths and in, in with, within the military, yeah. but we, we will have to have a, you know, I've read Kylie in the American mind and, you know, we will, ha- we'll, we have to reconcile some things as a nation mm-hmm. to determine who we want to be and what we value. Uh, yeah, to yeah. me, it starts with, you know, and I'm not the only one to say this, thankfully, but to me, it starts with personal excellence, bettering yourself, mm-hmm. then bettering your kids, bettering your spouse, that ultimately bleeds out to the community. So I'm curious for you, how are you bettering yourself outside of the military, outside of your job? What are you doing to encourage others around you through your own personal excellence? Yeah, you, you, you lead yourself first, like you said. And if you can't lead yourself and you, you're not, no one else should be, no one else should be following you if you can't lead yourself. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's so easy and tempting to point to others and say, Oh, look at what this person's mm-hmm. got. It's like, uh, and it's, and it's just like, bro, put the stone down, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and take a look in the mirror. And so leading myself is, the, is the hardest person to lead because like I'm naturally able to influence and inspire and persuade people to do things. I think through some, uh, but the self-discipline that it takes, uh, to lead myself every day, that's the, the, to have the moral courage to do the right thing when no one's looking mm-hmm. to not take little cut corners yeah. that only I would yeah. know about. Mm-hmm. Right. Or may, you know, and so like it's that, <laughs> that, that moral courage and discipline to take the hard way, uh, and to, to do the hard thing, because the hard thing is almost always the right. Thing. That's, that's my leadership challenge is, 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 is leading myself. And, 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 you know, how am I trying to, you know, better myself every day? It's, it's, it's through, habits of discipline, habits of action. And, and those habits start first and foremost with spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's, it's my, it's my prayer and it's my reading the Bible, you know, that that's like first and foremost, it's, it's my spiritual discipline is, is the most important way that I can better myself mm. any given day. Uh, because what, what comes from that, uh, has eternal consequences. Uh, that's, that's the only thing that I'll do that has eternal consequences and, and eternal implications. Everything else here is just for a moment, just for a time, mm-hmm. just for a season. Uh, the, the spiritual betterment has eternal consequences. Um, and then, you know, physically I, you know, I, my job is physical. It, mm-hmm. it requires me to be physically fit. And mm-hmm. so like, uh, but I, so it's, it's mentally, spiritually and f- physically. And so then and intellectually, like, what am I doing to, and so, yeah, you're, you're either getting better every day or you're not. And, yeah. and, and, and it's gotta be mind, body, and spirit. Uh, and so I, I try to take a, a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Those yeah. So I love that you brought up the, the spiritual side of it. Uh, we went through a book, wisdom pyramid and, uh, just in in society today, right, we're under this impression that you create your own truths, right? And, and I feel like that is just when you're as a human, as an individual um, who's flawed and all this, and you're trying to go create your own. Huh? <laughs> you struck a nerve. You're shaking his head. <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to create your own truths. Like that is the most confusing, misleading direction. Like what you believe mm. is the truth. What you like, no, there are fundamental foundational truths. And that leads back to character. That leads back to 
honor. That leads back to nobility where I think 25, 30 years ago, right? Those words were really, really powerful. I feel like today those words honor, power, or not power, honor, courage, uh, character, nobility, like those, they've just, they've lost their luster, right? Because when I grew up, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be honorable. I wanted to be noble. I wanted to be all these things. But now, because we're like, oh, well, find your own truth. We, you know, that's the most important thing is who you are and who you want to be and pursue that. No. And that's where when there's foundational truths, you understand duty. You understand. And, and you talk about eternal consequences. Look, if, if I, if I am, and again, I'm not forcing anything on anybody. That's for you to find out. But I know for me is when you understand the, the number one truth that there is a God and he said his son to die for our sins so that we may join him someday. When we know that it's, it is a whole lot easier and freeing to understand the duty component of it. Because this life you talk about this one shot, this it, it is temporary it is short and that is not it and so if you're facing hard times you're facing all these things it's freeing and it provides endurance it provides um, motivation to push through those those duty periods those sacrifice periods those challenging periods those seasons that are just hard because it's temporary and what are you doing and what truths are you following and pursuing and learning that ultimately lead to eternal like the eternal consequence yeah. that you want but anyway so i, I want to kick, it, kick it back uh on you know just because that goes to the recruitment side of it as well like it, it like listen i was created i was called to do something like this like yeah. it's not about me it's not about it's it's about something so much bigger than that yeah i mean if, if every truth is equally valid then there is no truth mm -hmm. There has to be objective truth to, for there to be any truth. Mm -hmm. There has to be a way. I, I, and, and so if there isn't a, an objective truth or a way, uh, then we're all just immediately going to be able to trump, supersede, deny. Uh, and, and, and so this, this idea that like uh, you do you or that, that your truth is like your individual truth is like what's supreme or has primacy It all ties in, you know, and we can see how it pervades culture with this idea of um, like how self care, like self care has become like, or like self worship almost has become, uh, and like, you know, self care is almost always tied into like eat the thing. Don't exercise mm -hmm. be like, that's like, these are like, yeah. so, like, no self care is getting up, getting to, getting getting moving like self like self-care is not uh, uh a daiquiri at the the beach self-care is 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 doing things that make you better morally mentally and physically and so we've we keep using this idea that 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 your truth is uh uh the um is the umbrella and that i have to actually pretend like you want me to pretend that the thing that you're saying mm. is, is, and we all have to just pretend that this yeah. is true now. Mm -hmm. It's like, objectively, it is not like yeah. objectively mm -hmm. it's not. Yeah. And I, and I'm going to choose not to pretend with you right now mm -hmm. because I'm here in reality where there are some objective and, and fundamental truths. 
and the thing that you're saying is clearly silly and like you could tell me that there are unicorns like my mm -hmm. daughter all the time wants to know where are the unicorns <laughs> like she, she's so pissed that like i haven't been able to produce a unicorn yet what's like, wrong with you dad uh <laughs> it's like it's like buddy and i can't call her buddy now i have to call her princess uh princess like sorry like mm -hmm. i can't i can't do it there's there's just not unicorns right. uh and so uh and, and she could, she'll, she'll ultimately continue to live in a fanciful world where there are unicorns and riding over rainbows or like someday she'll come to acknowledgement that, uh, and, and so, uh, this, this pursue your own truth is, uh, insidious, uh, and it's pervasive right now. Um, and it denies, uh, objective the objective way and the truth and, 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 um, until we can culturally just start to say some things are just nonsense, yeah. uh, that self-care is not the ultimate form of care. Self-sacrifice is what makes life worth mm -hmm. living. Yeah. Right? Makes it abundant. Yeah. Sacrifice. Yes, it's not self-care. It's sacrifice. Right. Mm -hmm. Sacrifice is the reward. Mm -hmm. Sacrifice is the purpose as a man sacrifice for your family. It's, it's all, if you want, if you want, you can feel happy in an instant or in a moment, but it so quickly dissipates when you do something purposeful and with, and when you sacrifice on behalf mm. of your family or on behalf of the team or on the behalf of others, when you, when you find yourself in a life of sacrifice and service, that's what's rewarding. Yeah. And you know, a, a mother who sacrifices all day for her children, like, that is what's fulfilling. We could tell somebody like, go do this. I, I can tell you that my wife sacrifices more than anybody I know on behalf of our family. And it is, and while she's tired and she's exhausted, mm -hmm. she is fulfilled as a woman mm -hmm. in, in, the, in those, in those, in the sacrificial role that she's, she's in. And like, I go and I work my ass off all day and I try to sacrifice in many different ways for my family, my country. And, and at the end of the day, that is my, the, the sacrifice is the reward. The, that is the purpose. It is. And, and, and so, uh, all these other things are so temporary. If, if you want any real sustained fulfillment, it has to be tied into sacrifice because you're earning it. Everything else is just, you know, yeah. you, you can't, these things that are given, uh, it's just, it won't actually bring you yeah. any real. Yeah. And that's when you talk about eternal life, right? Eternal life. And you speak with God, God says, Hey, you know, job well done. Like that is the sacrifice that you've had to go through through your whole life. Like you've been willing to go through those sacrifices, job well done. And that's, and that's an everyday service. So when you come home every day, it should be the same. Like when you come home, it shouldn't be put your hands like uh, old Bundy, put your hands in your pants and just sit down and watch TV and drink a beer. It's, Come home, be a dad, be a father, do all the things you did at work, but come on, be a father, do all these things. And then say, hey, by the end of the time, by, by the end of the night, and I, I go through this every day, man. And it's, it, it becomes a little emotional for me because there was a part of my life where I wasn't that. And I went through a divorce and went, and I wasn't that father. But now, I've, like, just through growing and aging, I've gotten to a point to where I really understand what job well done yeah. means. Yeah. yeah. And it's when you put your head down at night, 10 o'clock, and you go, okay. I, yeah. There was, I, I laid it down today. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's honestly it, it's so funny. We've been fed these lies that pursuing your own happiness will bring yeah. you happiness and joy, right? I, right? There's a difference between happiness is momentary, joy is is lasting, right? Yeah. And and it's like everybody, anybody listening, it's it's a really simple answer. When you pursue your own selfish happiness, yeah. are you happy? No, you're not. No, and in anybody in anybody hearing that anybody. And if you are honest with yourself, when you're pursuing your own selfish desires and your own truths, does, are you happy? I mean, you look at the statistics. No, not even close. All-time high depression, all-time high anxiety, all-time high suicide, all-time. I mean, all of the things that are not, but we've been fed this lie. And the people that are teaching this, ask them, are you happy? And I guarantee you, if they're actually honest with themselves and with others, the answer is no. So it's, it's again, it's like you said, there are foundational objective truths that are out there that have been proven over time. And that's the other thing, too, is we just totally dismiss history, right? We yeah. dismiss learning from our ancestors, learning from those before us that led um, great nations. Because we don't want to look back and because we don't want to we don't want to do that because we're only pursuing our own things. Now, I'll say this, we inherently inherently as humans because we are sinners, because we are flawed, because the devil's out there the trickster is trying to teach us those things, right? Like I think we naturally do tend to do that. Naturally we do tend to like, oh man, I got to go do yard work today. Nah, I'd rather just sit and watch TV or play video games. Like naturally that's what we want to do. But when you go to bed at night, like you said, when you put your head, when you put your head on the pillow, are you actually happy having put off a sacrifice and done something for yourself? How do you f- actually feel at the end of that day? Yeah. Yeah. We just, I mean, again, we're just, we're just so confused. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, and that leads us to what you're doing now and, and what the future looks like. You know, what, what, what does that look like for you? Continued service, continue, you know, obviously fatherhood and, and being a husband. What, what are the next little bit look like for you? Yeah, I'll I'll always serve and 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 find ways to sacrifice and and again I think that starts uh, first at home, and then my community in my church right and so uh, again so often we get caught up in everything that's happening in the world and the mm-hmm. it's like what what are you doing to lead in your home what are you doing to lead yourself what are you doing to lead in your church what are you doing to lead in your immediate community. Before you go save the world, mm-hmm. save yourself, save your family, save your church, save your community. Uh, and when you got all those things well in hand, mm-hmm. go ahead, go save, save the, the world. world. Right? Uh, <laughs> good luck, good yeah, luck getting yeah, all those yeah, in yeah, hand, by the yeah. way. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll I'll continue to do those things. Um, I'll I'll continue to 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 be of of service to veterans um, through the organization that I founded, uh, Patrol Base Abate. Uh, so I hope to continue to, to continue to do that. Say work. that again. Say that. What's the name? Uh, of the I founded an organization, Patrol Base Abate, um, named after Sergeant Matt Abate, who was a sniper with me on my first deployment. He was killed in action on December 2nd, received the Navy cross. Um, when I was experiencing some suicides of, of some of my Marines back in 2020, I, I went and I started to, uh, try to define the problem of veteran suicide and mental health. And what I found is that veterans who are 
feeling disconnected or isolated, um, they're the most likely to commit suicide. And then, but I found another interesting statistic is that uh, veteran suicide is not correlated to combat. And so that, that actually non-combat veterans are twice as likely to commit suicide. And mm. so uh, wow. most people have this same reaction. Mm. And, and, and so I said, okay, if we know what's, what, what's killing our veterans, our feelings are disconnected and isolated, and we know it's not tied necessarily to their combat, what services are out there that are getting them in community, what's getting them uh, connected. And what I found is that there's about 45,000 veteran service organizations. There's too many. And that uh, almost all of them have some kind of barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them say, you got to be a special forces. You got to be wounded. You got to be uh, a disordered or a disabled or, or, uh, and, and so, or combat. And so we, we, there's all these barriers to entry and I could check a lot of the boxes that, you know, these organizations mm-hmm. require you to be, I've been, I was wounded. I did, you know, I could, when been to combat, I could, I can check, but like, what if I don't want to be narrowly defined by a disability or mm-hmm. by a wound? What if there's more to me than, than my wound? What if there's more to me than just my, con- what if, what if I'm just a veteran and a person who served? And I said, like, I would like to be in community and connection with somebody mm-hmm. else because I have a shared experience with, with these people, irrespective of whether we went to combat or not. Just like, you know, the, the people that have played on Sunday, there's, there's just, there's something that is unspoken, right? Mm. You don't have to, yeah. you don't have to, to, and and when I sit with another veteran, I, there's, I, I can just be at ease. I can mm. just be at peace. Cause I know that, you know, right. And, and, mm. and, and, and only 1% of people serve. And so like, mm. there's only just a select percent of people that kind of just inherently kind of know and and that puts me at peace, at rest, and able, and and so uh, what we did is we got 350 acres out in Montana, um, and we do f- free cost uh, programming up there. We call it the Return to Base program, and and rather than try to tell veterans, hey, you know, I I taught literature, like I like literature, and I'm an infantryman, I'm a grunt, I like to hike, so I could build this organization around the two things that I like to do, like hike and read books. That's not everybody's thing, you know. Yeah. And when and when, and when <laughs> you look, like a ton to yeah. me. <laughs> uh, but when you when you look at all the uh, not all these, but many of the service organizations, they say like, this is the thing we do, and I think they do a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's uh, hunting or fly fishing, these I think these these are all like I think they're cool, right? And I would like to do those things actually. So yeah. like, sign me up. Like I think that's a great service that you provide, but it but it may not be what. There's, there's over, uh, you know, 20 million veterans in the country. Like not every one of them are going to be into it. And so what I said is like, Hey veterans, what are you into? Jiu-jitsu, powerlifting, uh, archery, uh, yoga, whatever you're into, we'll do it up here in Montana mm. and, 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 and we'll do it, uh, free of cost. And, and so, and, and all, and I shouldn't say all, but the, 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 the your ticket to admission is your service. If you raise your right hand, you're in, period. Mm. And so you could be a PFC, just active duty. You could be a National Guard. You could be a reservist. You could have done four years as a Motor T communications person mm-hmm. and never deployed. I think that service matters, and, and you got a space. Right. And so rather wow. than tell you, like many of these other organizations say, all the reasons you can't, mm. we're yeah. saying, hey, you raised your right hand, you're in. And so we're fighting this idea of veterans have kind of been brainwashing this idea of like um, – well, I was just, or I just did this thing. And it's like, look, uh, this, this, 
we, we've created this pyramid where we say service only means you went to Iraq. Service mm -hmm. only means you went to Afghanistan. And like, that's, that's, that's not true. Mm. Uh, and, 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 and I think all service matters. And the idea that we've tried to say only if you are special forces or only if you lost your limb, like then, then you, and, and so we've created, a, we've created a space for every single person who's that's raised awesome. a right hand for the country. So I'll continue awesome. to, probably do that with patrol base abate uh in whatever capacity i can uh continue to write um and uh but most importantly i'll continue to serve my god uh bring glory to that kingdom yeah, yeah. and uh and serve my family yeah. love it I, I think it was you that said tribe and mission yeah and, tribe and purpose yeah tribe and purpose yeah. and and the transition's tough because you no longer have your tribe yeah and you no longer have or you don't feel like you have yeah. a purpose yeah and and I think that that you put that in great perspective for me. Again, not to the same level, but yeah. as as former athletes, yeah. we deal with this. Yeah. At some at some at some point, everybody takes off the uniform. At some right. point, right. like you're gonna take off the short pad. At some point, and and it's gonna be your last day on the field. Uh, and when you've been doing that thing forever, it's like I don't even know how to be something that isn't that thing. Like no. and and so the military indoctrinates you to the point that when you're at boot camp, the whole idea is like to break you down, to strip you of mm. civilian and, and build you up as some, so you're not allowed to refer to yourself as I, you have mm. to say this recruit, you have to talk about yourself mm. in the third person, like you, mm. like you, and because we are building you into something that isn't who you were. Mm. And so we've, we've inculcated this and indoctrinated you into this, this, this culture. And then at the end of it, we say like, here's a piece of paper. The DD two fourteen mm, time ago you walk and out it's like door. and so yeah. you've been wearing for four years or forty years this thing over your left heart that says U S Marines U S Navy U S Army but now someone hands me a piece of paper and I and I was Sergeant so and so or I, I was you know and now I'm just Tom just mm. Bill and 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 so uh, there's no indoctrination back into you know and so when you when you've been doing something for so long and and the thing is like the people you were doing this thing with all were willing to die for one another, mm -hmm. all were willing to go to battle with one another. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm going into this individualistic society who places the needs of myself yeah. over mm -hmm. where I was in this, like I was, you know, people steal these, these like military terms, like squad goals mm -hmm. or, or they steal like this idea uh, from, from gangs, like girl gang, like mm -hmm. ga gang, like mm -hmm. why do they use these, ter these tribal terms, mm -hmm. squad gang, uh, and, and, and because people are inherently tribal and we, and we, and, and, and we don't need like a lot of buddies we don't need, but we need somebody yes. to mm. share that. Right. And, and so when you have this inexplicable bond based on an, a hard to communicate experience. So when you're part of a team, uh, that forms a very unique bond because you've had a very unique experience that not many other people have had. You know, I, I, I think, you know, so we build you into this tribe, into the squad. We give you a purpose. Uh, every mission has a purpose statement. So the, the military runs on missions, right? You do this mission, you do this mission. And every mission has a purpose inherently built into it. And so for years of your life, you, you were with a tribe, you had this purpose. And now we say, uh, Good luck. And, yeah. and, and, and so what I want to say is like, hey, you could still have that tribe and purpose at, with, with PB Abate. 
We do local uh, service stuff all around the country every weekend. There's PB Abate chapter in Chicago and Dallas and Austin, uh, you name it out there still because we, we are men and women of service like that's yeah. and, mm. and so we, we still provide those opportunities to serve we still provide those opportunities at, at community through our local chapters and through our programming up in montana awesome. uh so that's kind of what we do there can can civilians volunteer or is this all yeah uh, cer certainly so you know uh th this is an all-hands effort uh we are the most accessible veteran accessible veteran service organization out there in the fact that you could be active duty, you could be a National Guard, you could be reservist, you could be a veteran, right? Uh, and so long as you raise your right hand, you're in. So with that, we're, we're, we're open to about 20 million people, 20 million mm. veterans. We are the fastest growing veteran service organization. Mm. Uh, and so it's a, it's an all hands on deck effort. And so we, we, we need your support. And so people will reach out to me and be like, well, I don't have any money or, and I'm like, but how can I help? I'm like, uh, can you swing a hammer? Do you know how to code? Do you know how to do marketing? Do you know how to do accounting? Like, mm. like there's a sandbag for you to fill. Like, I don't know <laughs> what your sandbag, I don't know what your individual, maybe whether it's time, talent or treasure, but I mean, we have a cabin up at, uh, where we do our programs and like, no kidding. If, if you could swing a hammer, like then you can, you can fill yeah. a sandbag, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, if you could tell a buddy, Hey, there's a great program. Like maybe that's how you just filled your sandbag. Mm. So th there, Civilians, uh, absolutely, like our, our treasurer, our, our finance guy is, is a buddy of mine from college who went to Booth and mm. is, does finance. Like that's, he fills a sandbag. He walks point for this organization in, in a really critical way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and the idea that uh, this organization provides both uh, service members and civilians an opportunity to walk point and, 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 and why does walking a point matter? And and I'll and maybe I'll give, kind of give one last story here. And, this, and 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 it's about this a man named Arden Benagua. Arden Benagua was uh, a combat engineer, and combat engineers in Afghanistan walked out in front of the platoons because there was minefields everywhere, IEDs, improvised explosive devices, and so these combat engineers walked out in front with um, a metal detector. You know, like you've seen people on the beach yeah. with the metal detector mm -hmm. swinging the metal, okay. Uh, the issue is that most of these IEDs, most of these mines were non-metallic. So they didn't actually give a signature. Mm. It, very rarely they you, you'd be able to hit their battery pack. There was a battery associated with these, but if you didn't, they, they were a plate. And, I, and you step on the plate and underneath the plate was a charge and that charge was like a gas can filled with fertilizer, homemade explosives, mm. and like that initiated the blast. Um, and so you could step right, you could wave the wand right over that and they would offset the battery, which would keep that kind of current. And so you could step right on that and you'd get, and so, um, keel company, the, the company that I was keel company, first platoon, we had 13 engineers. Uh, and so every day these guys were walking point in these minefields and, uh, 12 of the 13 were amputees are killed in action. Oh. And. Artem Managua, 18 years old, uh, was number 12. Mm. And so every day, this young man at 18 grabbed his rifle, grabbed his pack, grabbed that metal detector, and walked to the front of the patrol and never once turned to me and said, but sir, uh, mm. could someone else take this burden? Could someone else walk point today? 
sir, uh, I'm only 18. Can someone else, you know, carry this load? Negative. Every day, Arbanagua walked to the front of that patrol, knowing the outcome ahead of time. Mm. Knowing that it wasn't going to be a matter of if, but when. When every other Marine in your squad is an amputee or dead, you know what's going to happen, and you go anyways. There's a great passage uh, where, where the, the disciple Thomas says, let us go with him so that we may die with him. It's the idea that I know what's going to happen by doing this thing, and I'm still going to do it anyways. Mm. And how humbling it is for me to have the opportunity to serve and lead men like Arnold Benagua, who I named my son after, mm. that, that knowing it would mean their life, they still went. And uh, shortly after turning 19, Arnold Benagua gave his life in service to his country and gave it more than anything to protect his friends. Mm. And... Um, I have a lifelong duty and commitment and responsibility to honor these men that I wear on my wrist, but more importantly, wear on my heart. And, uh, and so I need to, I need to follow this 19 year old kid's example, Arden Benagua, and I need to find where can I walk point? There you go. And, uh, that's, that's what I'll, I'll, I'll continue Gosh. to find ways to walk point. Yeah. Wow. I don't want to ruin yeah. that with any more of my words. No. So <laughs> Man, we appreciate you, Tom. Yeah. Tom, thank This has you been so awesome, much. man. We and as you know, you, you flew out here, man, to see us and yeah, in our house, man. We have so much respect for you, brother. Thanks, really. And, and what you're doing. Thanks, We sir. respect you, man. Yeah, and, and I would encourage um those of you listening, uh, you were on Jocko's podcast uh, a little while back. Go back to that episode and listen, you, you know, a little more in depth on the stories and stuff like that. Um, and your book. I know you don't like and, to self-promote, yeah. but what, what's your book? Always title? Faithful. Always Faithful. Yeah. Always Faithful. Um, and then con ways for listeners to contact uh, or your foundation, organization, um, website, stuff like that. Yeah, so the, the organization, PB Abate, is pbabate.org. Uh, we're active on Instagram at pbabate. And then I uh, I do most of my posting about like leadership, literature, military type stuff on a page called Killzone, K-I-L-L dot Z-0-N-3. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you. This is, this was awesome. amazing. Man. Yeah, it was. I, I can't thank you enough. Um, I just hope, I hope that this reaches a lot of people. Yeah. Because um, the, the words you shared, the stories, the wisdom, man, is invaluable so thank you so much man thanks for appreciate you thanks Tom. thanks Tom. Thanks.